Hey everyone, and welcome to the DFS Dominator NFL Play Action Podcast. Jamie's on by this week and Kirby's away on business, so we're going to be doing a classic one-man pod this week. It was another crazy week in the NFL, and we're now at the halfway point in the season. Hopefully, everyone's been having a successful year in DFS. If you've been following our advice, you've probably cashed in quite a bit through the first seven weeks. Remember, we're now on iTunes, so you can find us on the podcast app on your phone. Just type in DFS Dominator, and you'll have all of our latest content right at your fingertips. Let's get right into our Week 8 show. We're going to be going deep once again to help you find that sneaky value play. This week's sleeper segment is brought to you by thedfscave.com. Looking for a fun and simple approach to pounding DFS? Head on over to thedfscave.com. That's thedfscave.com. Let's get into our QB sleeper for the week. Our first sleeper is quarterback Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles. Wentz has really balled out this season, throwing for 11 touchdowns and two interceptions over the past three games. And he gets a plus matchup here at home against the 49ers. Wentz has been throwing the ball quite a bit this season, and he's among the league leaders in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and passing attempts on the year. He also adds some rushing upside, which is always a bonus. He topped 300 yards in three of the first six games of the year, and he's a good candidate to do it once again here. So look for 300 yards and maybe two to three touchdowns from Wentz in this game. He's actually QB number two on the season. So let's move on to the sleeper running backs for the week. Our first sleeper running back is Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon complained about not getting enough touches last week, and Marvin Lewis basically told him to grow up. So look for Cincy to feed the rock to their backs this week and get Mixon involved. Mixon is coming off of his best game from a yards per carry standpoint, and he gets a juicy matchup here against the Colts. He's been the lead running back for Cincy as of late, and the Bengals should have no problem leaning on the run game in this one. While he's a bit risky, consider the fact that before last week, he was averaging 19 touches over the previous three games. So I think he's in a good spot to produce this week, and the Bengals will likely run more with the lead, so I like him here. Let's move on to our second sleeper running back, and that's going to be Chris Thompson of the Washington Redskins. He's been moving back to his regular role as the third down back, which could cause him to go lower owned this week, but he's in a pass-happy Redskins offense that doesn't have a true number one wide receiver right now. Thompson's arguably been the team's best playmaker through the first seven weeks of the season, so look for him to continue to be involved on offense. Even with Kelly back, he's going to see his fair share of the snaps, and he's still the passing down back there, so he's got a high four with all the receptions that he gets. This game has some shootout appeal, and Washington may elect to pass more, which gives Thompson a good chance to finish with a lot of catches. He's still the team's leading rusher and receiver on the season, and running backs have been effective in the passing game against his defense. So I like him for five catches, 80 yards, and another score here. Let's move on to the wide receiver position, which is always pretty much a crapshoot and pretty TD dependent. So we're going to look for a guy who's going to get you in the end zone this week. And I think that's going to be Alshon Jeffrey of the Philadelphia Eagles. Jeffrey's been a victim of some very tough individual matchups on the season, but he's a very talented wide receiver. And this is a 49ers defense that's been giving it up to wide receivers all season long. So look for Wentz and Jeffrey to have big games this week. This may be a bold projection, but I like Jeffrey to top 100 yards and get a score this week. 
He's not going to jump off the page as a must-play for most people, especially given his recent production, but the targets have been there, and he should be in line for a huge game here. Now let's move on to our second wide receiver. That's going to be Devin Funches of the Carolina Panthers. Ever since Greg Olson went down earlier this year, Funches has been a lock for eight targets a game. He's coming off back-to-back pedestrian efforts as the Panthers' offense has stalled in each of the past two weeks, but he should offer some sleeper value here against the, against the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. The Bucks have been one of the worst teams versus the pass all season long, and Funches has seen a bunch of targets this season with Olsen down, and he's even out-targeted and out-snapped Kelvin Benjamin on the year. The Panthers will be eager to get back in the win column, and this is a big game for both teams, so I expect Cam to show up here in a marquee matchup against Jameis Winston. I like Funches to have his best game of the season from a yardage standpoint here, and I'm predicting 80 yards and a score for him. Now, let's move on to the tight end position. My sleeper tight end for the week is George Kittle. Kittle gets the benefit of the dough after a no-show last week against the Cowboys. He was C.J. Beathard's tight end at Iowa, and he should become a safety blanket for him, especially after last week's drubbing against the Cowboys. Prior to that game, Kittle had racked up 17 targets over the previous two. He's been among the top TEs and red zone targets this season, and the Eagles have actually been near the bottom of the league against tight end so far this year, which makes Kittle a very interesting option at tight end this week. And I've been red hot at the position, so I'm going to go with a pretty bold prediction and say Kittle gets six to eight targets and a touchdown this week. So I think he's going to be a strong value play here. Want a free chance to play in the Sunday Million on FanDuel? Sign up on FanDuel using our promo code DOMINATE to get a free entry into the Sunday Million contest on FanDuel. The promo code once again is DOMINATE. That's D-O-M-I-N-A-T-E when you sign up on FanDuel. All right, let's get into our stardom fatem segment. The QB position has been a free-for-all outside of Tom Brady this year, so it'll be interesting to see who we got in this spot. I'm going to roll with someone who people have kind of forgotten about so far this season, and that's Andy Dalton of the Cincinnati Bengals. Dalton has not been very good this year, but he has a very good matchup this week against the Colts. The Colts have been giving up a ton of passing yards and fan duel points to quarterbacks, and him and Green should be able to have a lot of success in this matchup. Indy has surrendered the third most passing yards per game, so Dalton will be a strong play in this spot. The offense was a bit stagnant last week against Pittsburgh, but Dalton will be a good bounce back candidate here. He's a riskier start, but he could go lower owned and he makes for an interesting QB play given his upside. Let's move on to a QB that we think you should be staying away from on Sunday. And that's Derek Carr of the Oakland Raiders. Carr is battling a back injury, and although he looked great last week, he faces a very tough Bills defense. The Bills have given up the second fewest pass touchdowns to quarterbacks so far this season, and this is a game that Carr could struggle given that the Raiders are traveling to the East Coast and playing a 1 p.m. game, which makes this one even more difficult. Winston had a huge game last week against Buffalo, but it wasn't enough for the Bucks to come away with the win. This is a tough matchup and kind of a trap game, so I think we should be fading Carr this week. Let's move on to the running back position. Our running back start for the week is Melvin Gordon of the LA Chargers. 
The Patriots have given up a ton of fantasy points to running backs this season, especially in the passing game, and Rivers loves dumping it off to Gordon. Gordon is among the top running backs in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns on the year, and the Chargers should run more to try to keep Tom Brady off the field. And even if they get down, Gordon will be a candidate to rack up a bunch of catches, so he should be able to be effective in your lineups this week. Start Gordon and expect a lot of production from him in what could end up being a high-scoring game. Now we're going to give you a running back to fade this week, and that's going to be Carlos Hyde of my beloved San Francisco 49ers. Hyde has been very inconsistent so far this season, and it's difficult to know what his usage rate is going to be from game to game. He's going up against an Eagles defense that has one of the toughest front sevens in the NFL, and they've been doing very well against running backs on the year. Even though he dominated the touches in a loss last week against the Redskins, the game script here is favoring an Eagles blowout win, so I'm not too high on him this week, especially given the fact that the Eagles will probably load up to stop the run here. Let's move on to the wide receiver position, and we're going to stick in the same game and go with Pierre Garçon of the 49ers. Garçon has been getting a ton of looks, and the 49ers will likely be playing catch-up in this game, which will give Garçon the opportunity to rack up a bunch of targets and a bunch of catches. The Eagles have been giving up a lot of fantasy points to wide receivers on the year, and Garçon has double-digit targets in four of the team's seven games so far. And the Eagles are a familiar foe for Garçon, who just came by in the offseason from the Redskins. He scored a TD in three of his last four games against the Eagles and has been a pain in their side as a member of the Redskins, so I think this is going to be a strong pick this week. He's likely going to go lower owned, but that can help your team do well, especially in a GPP, and he should have a good chance at racking up some fantasy points this week. So let's move on to our wide receiver fade, and we're going to go against a guy who's had a couple of big weeks lately, and that's T.Y. Hilton. It's tough to play him here with Brissett under center, and Andrew Luck doesn't look like he's coming back to the Colts anytime soon. The Bengals have done very well against wide receivers on the season, as they have not given up many fantasy points to them. We faded Hilton last week, and it paid off in a big way against the Jags' stout pass defense. Hilton is a major boomer bust candidate, and he's had 30 receiving yards or less in three of the past four games, but he's also managed games of 155 and 177 yards this season. With Brissett likely to struggle once again in this matchup, I think T.Y. is going to be a risky fantasy play. And the Bengals' defense has been flying under the radar, so I think T.Y. Hilton is a risky play this week. Let's move on to the tight end position, which has been a bit of a mess so far this year. We've been pretty hot on this podcast, but it's been tough to find a reliable tight end from week to week. Our T.E. start for the week is Jason Witten. We've been pretty hard on him on this podcast, and he's been a bit hot and cold, but Witten has revived his career so far this year in Dallas. He faces a Washington team this week who's been very weak against tight ends, so he should get plenty of looks in this matchup. We've been tough on Witten about his upside, but he has a chance to score a touchdown here in what could be a high-scoring game. Witten has topped 50 yards in four of the Cowboys' six games this year, and he scored a TD in three of those contests. I like Witten this week, and I think he makes for a good TE option against the Redskins. Now, for a TE we're going to be telling you to stay away from this week, and it's going to be a bold one. Jared Cook of the Oakland Raiders. Cook is coming off his first 100-yard game of the season, and the Raiders offense looked pretty good last week. He almost had a TD in that game too, but he was ruled down at the one. 
The Bills' pass defense has been very good so far this year, and they've been tough on tight ends. Cook has been seeing some consistent targets, but it hasn't always turned into production so far this year. I expect Carr to struggle in this matchup, especially with the Raiders going on the road for a 1 p.m. game, like I said earlier. So even though the Raiders had a big game last week and Cook had his first 100-yard game of the season, we're going to be fading Cook this week. Now, that's it for our Stardom Fade'em segment. Before we go inside the huddle for our game-by-game analysis, we want to talk about some injuries that happened last week. For that, we're going to head on over to the ortho PA, Andrew Beverly, who has over 10 years of experience in sports medicine. Hey, Andrew. Hey, guys. It's Andrew Beverly, the ortho PA, back again to talk about a couple key injuries that might be affecting your Week 8 daily fantasy decisions. For the first one, we'll head up to Detroit and take a look at Golden Tate. He suffered an injury to his acromioclavicular joint. This is the small shoulder joint, similar type injury to what we talked about last week for Jameis Winston. Now, the difference is Golden obviously does not need to be able to throw the ball, but he does need to be able to catch and, more importantly, take more hits to the top of that shoulder area. Now, he has been back practicing this week. Uh, To some, this was a surprise, even though they're coming off of the bye week. He wasn't feeling too confident that he was going to be able to play. In his press conference, he said that his wife's cooking has been able to help him heal at a faster rate. Now, he has been out there playing. Um, Once again, this AC joint is one that is integral to the full movement of the shoulder, but it's a nice one that you can be able to put a shot in there, give him some pain medicine. I think he should be able to be out there uh, and playing hard. Now, Golden, you know, is known for his yards after catch, his ability to absorb the contact and keep going and so that is something that may be a little bit limited for him but especially with Kenny Galladay uh, most likely being out this week I like Golden Tate's chances to be out there playing and and playing well now the other injury that we're going to talk about is on the other side of the ball Josh Norman suffered a few broken ribs and as well an associated lung condition now that's a little bit hazy as far as what that is but sometimes that can be some irritation in the lungs sometimes it can be a developing of a small amount of pneumonia due to not being able to uh, breathe properly and push the air out uh, due to the amount of pain from those broken ribs. Now he has been out for a couple weeks. He's also had the bye week thrown in there. I like his chances to be out there this week and be playing well. Now that's going to affect you from the other side of the ball. Des Bryant, Dak Prescott. Um, I don't think Josh Norman being back is enough for you to avoid uh, those guys, but is something to uh, keep in mind if you have some important decisions to be made. I think Josh Norman is going to be out there playing very, very well, uh, playing at a high level, and I don't think these uh, rib fractures are going to be an issue anymore at this time. So something to consider making your offensive decisions uh, for the Cowboys. All right, Uh, you guys have a great week and uh, good luck out there. Thanks, Andrew. We'll talk more about those implications soon. Now, we're going to go inside the huddle and give a game-by-game analysis of all the players you need to know about for Week 8. Let's kick it off with the Raiders at the Bills. The Raiders will travel to the East Coast for a 1 p.m. Eastern time game against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Buffalo continues to be one of the biggest surprises of the NFL season, and they found ways to win games on the strength of their defense. We already talked about this being a potential trap game. We're fading Derek Carr and Jared Cook, but let's move on to Oakland's wide receivers. Michael Crabtree has been the most consistent Raiders wide receiver so far this season, but Cooper broke out in a big way last week. Crabtree's been seeing less targets than Cooper, but his catch rate is much higher. 
And even though he's got a tough matchup this week, Crabtree actually has six touchdowns in his last four games. So his rapport with Carr makes him a weekly end zone threat and it gives him a very high floor. This is going to be a tough game to forecast, but I think Crabtree is going to be my top Raiders option this week, especially given the fact that Cooper's likely to draw some extra coverage after his big game. Let's move on to Cooper. It was nice to finally see Cooper break out last week. He finished with 210 yards and two touchdowns, more than doubling his production in those categories for the season. But still, he's been very inconsistent on the year. He had three drops last week, so it's not like he's passed that problem in any way, shape, or form. They did seem to make it more of an emphasis to have him more involved in the offense. He had 19 targets last week, but it's tough to see him drawing that kind of hog rate on a consistent basis. I still can't trust Cooper, and even though I think he's going to be a hot pickup this week, I'm not too high on him. I think this Bills defense is for real. Let's move on to the Raiders' backfield. Lynch looks like he's going to be suspended for this game, which makes Jalen Richard a fairly interesting sleeper candidate. He's likely to get most of the catches, and he's the more explosive running back in that backfield, so I can see him stealing more of the touches this week. Let's move on to another running back in this game, and that's LaShawn McCoy. McCoy gets a very good matchup against this Oakland defense, and although they did add Navarro Bowman recently, I still like McCoy to have a big game here. He broke out of his TD funk in a big way last week with two touchdowns, and he's coming off of his best game of the season. He's topped 25 touches in each of the past two games, and with the Bills offense still in desperate need of playmakers, he should continue to get plenty of looks in the rushing and pass attack. I like him to top 100 scrimmage yards and get back in the end zone against this Raiders defense this week. Let's move on to the Colts and the Bengals. Both the Colts and the Bengals are poised to miss the playoffs this year. Andrew Luck has suffered some sort of setback, and it's not going to be surprising if he misses the rest of the season. We have Mixon listed as a sleeper and Dalton as a QB start and T.Y. Hilton as a wide receiver fade. So... The only other Colts player that I think is worth talking about in this spot is Marlon Mack. Mack has been on the rise lately, but his touches aren't consistent enough yet. And though he could have a decent game here, I'm not too high on his prospects against the Bengals. Let's move on to the Bengals and go with AJ Green. Green is in line for a monster game here as the Colts have really struggled to contain top wide receivers so far this year. He's going to be a top wide receiver option this week and the Colts have given up a ton of fantasy points to wide receivers on the year. The Colts have surrendered 8.5 yards per attempt so far this season which is second worst in the NFL and Green should see double digit targets and have a chance at 100 plus yards and a score this week which will make him a top wide receiver option in week 8. He may be highly owned, but pairing him with Dalton could be a wise strategy for people playing in GPPs. They should be able to have some big games against Indy. Let's move on to the Chargers at the Patriots. The Patriots defense has been playing well as of late, and the Chargers could easily be 5-1 if not for a few missed field goals, so their record is a bit deceiving. Let's start with Phillip Rivers. Rivers has really turned his season around as of late, throwing for eight touchdowns and just one INT over his last four games. He gets a plus matchup by the numbers, but the Patriots defense has really stepped it up lately, and he's still turnover prone quarterback. I'm not as high on him as most people are, but I do think he has the chance to top 300 yards in a game that the Chargers will likely be playing from behind in. Now let's move on to his top target, Keaton Allen. According to NFL Savant, Allen is tied for third in passing targets on the season. 
He's a shifty wide receiver that thrives on underneath routes, and he's been a target monster throughout his tenure with the Chargers. This year, though, it hasn't turned into top-notch production. Allen has just one touchdown on the year, and he doesn't have high upside from a yardage standpoint. Still, I like him to produce this week. He's a high four play, and if he can get in the end zone, he's going to make some fantasy owners very happy this week. Now, let's move on to Terrific Tom, the GOAT, Tom Brady. Brady hasn't lost a step at age 40, and he shouldn't have a hard time with his Chargers defense, even though they haven't been giving up a lot of fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Brady's among the top quarterbacks in passing yards and passing touchdowns this season, and he's been lights out since the first game of the year. He's now on pace to throw for over 5,000 yards, and he's a candidate to be a top three play each and every week. Let's move on to Chris Hogan. He was second on the team in targets and led the team in yards last week. He's been a consistent red zone threat for Tom Brady, and he's finished with 60 or more yards in five of the seven games this season. He scored a bunch of touchdowns, and he should be able to have success against the Chargers in the slot and on the outside. He hasn't found the end zone in either of the past two games after scoring five touchdowns in a four-game span, so look for him to get back in the end zone in this matchup this week. Let's move on to another Patriots wide receiver, Brandon Cooks. Cooks has been getting a good amount of receiving yards on this season, and he finally found the end zone last week to help the Patriots win their Super Bowl rematch against the Falcons. He's averaging an absurd 19.2 yards per catch this season, and he's topped 80 yards in four of the team's seven games. It seems like Cooks is growing in his role, and Brady's gaining more confidence in him with each passing game, so I like him a lot this week. He does draw a tough individual matchup versus Casey Hayward, so watch out for that. Now Gronk. It's tough to treat Gronk like a typical tight end, and even though he's going to be facing a tough Chargers team, I'm going to say he's in play for me this week. He's once again one of the best fantasy tight ends this year, and with the uncertainty at the position this year, you have to think he's in play each and every week. He's a threat for a multi-TD game anytime he steps on the field. So I like him here, even though he faces a tough Chargers defense. Let's move on to the Patriots running back situation. You can say goodbye to Mike Gillisley. He's been officially phased out of the offense since his fumble against the Jets. Deion Lewis looks like the primary ball carrier in that committee, but it's hard to trust Belichick's backfield. So I'm out on the Patriots running back situation. Let's move on to the Bears at the Saints. This is an interesting matchup that could turn out to be a high-scoring game. Trubisky's looked decent so far, even though he only completed four passing attempts last week. He seems to be accurate and has a strong arm. We all know Breeze performs well at home, so let's start off with the Bears rushing attack in this game. You have to think that Howard is in play this week. He's had 57 carries over his past two games. Meanwhile, Cohen's kind of been phased out with Trubisky under center. He has just one catch in each of his past three. Howard's playing the majority of the snaps here, but the Saints could get up big, which is a bit of a concern. Still, you have to think that he's in play, and I'm not too high on Cohen, so there's that. Let's move on to Drew Brees. The Bears have been among the stingiest defenses against opposing QBs this season. On the year, they're giving up just 13.6 FanDuel points per game. Still, Breeze is likely to be in play here. He's much better at home and averages over 300 yards per game at home over the past few seasons. The Bears have been average against quarterbacks this year, so I kind of like Breeze in this matchup. Now let's move on to Michael Thomas. 
Thomas had seven catches for 82 yards last week, and he's seen at least eight targets in five of the six games this year and double-digit targets in three of the five. So he has a reasonably high floor at the wide receiver position. I think he's going to be a good candidate for a 100-yard game this week as he's not yet had one this season, and the Bears have been average against wide receivers on the year, and Breeze, like I said, puts up huge home stats. I like him this week, and the Saints offense usually functions better at home, so he's due for a big game. Let's move on to the Ingram-Kamara combo. This has to be one of the best backfield combos in the NFL. Mark Ingram went for 105 yards and a TD on 22 carries and added four catches last week against the Packers, while Kamara finished with 107 total yards on 14 touches. This has to be one of the top fantasy backfields right now. Ingram's been seeing a lot of volume in both the rushing and the pass attack, and he's been playing the majority of snaps at RB, so I think he's going to be a strong play this week against the Bears. He's really come alive since the Adrian Peterson trade, and that also opened up some touches for Kamara. I wouldn't go all in on the Saints, as I think the Bears have a relatively stingy defense still, but I do think they're going to win this game and put up some points. Let's move on to the Falcons at the Jets. The Falcons have been one of the NFL's most disappointing teams so far this season, and they head on the road to take on an underrated New York Jets team. Matt Ryan and Steve Sarkeesian don't seem to be on the same page, and the offense hasn't really been able to get off the ground so far this year. Let's start with Matt Ryan's prospects for this game. As we predicted on this podcast in week one, he hasn't been nearly as effective as he was last season. That change at offensive coordinator has really stalled this offense, and Steve Sarkeesian just hasn't proven he can be an NFL play caller. It's hard to believe Ryan has fallen off as much as he has. He has as many turnovers, seven, as touchdowns this season. He's not looked good, and he's going to be a fade for me this week against the Jets. Let's move on to Julio Jones. No one knows what they've been doing with Jones lately, but they did get him more involved last week against New England. Julio ripped away a TD from Malcolm Butler last week to end the Falcons scoring drought, but it's still hard to trust this offense. He finished with 9 catches on 13 targets and turned that into 99 yards and a score. This was his first touchdown of the year. You'd think they'd get him the ball a little bit more. They do seem ready to force feed him the ball right now, so I think he could be in play for a big week, but I'm just a little hesitant to pay up for him. Let's move on to Devontae Freeman. Freeman is my top Atlanta Falcons play of the week, and I think he makes for a very good RB option. The Jets have been poor against running backs, and they've been giving up a ton of fantasy points to running backs on the year. He's still the main running back in Atlanta, and he's looked good on the ground in each of the past two weeks, even though he's given up some carries to Tevin Coleman. I like Freeman quite a bit in this matchup, and I expect a TD or two for him in this game, especially with the fact that Atlanta should be able to get the lead and win this one. Now, I'm staying away from all Jets players this week. I don't like Austin Safarian Jenkins too much, and the wide receivers are too much of a crapshoot against this tough Atlanta secondary. Let's move on to the 49ers at the Eagles. A lot of people seem to think that this is going to be a blowout, but I have a feeling it's going to be a high-scoring game, especially from the Eagles side. Wentz and Jeffrey are listed as sleepers, as is George Kittle for the 49ers. Carlos Hyde is a fade, and Pierre Garçon is a wide receiver start for us. So let's talk a little bit about Nelson Aguilar, who I think is going to be a strong option in this game. Aguilar has scored in three straight games and now has five touchdowns on the season. He seems to be the Eagles wide receiver to play right now, even over Alshon Jeffrey, but I do expect that to change moving forward. 
Aguilar has been one of the more consistent Eagles wide receivers in this past attack. And even though Wentz likes to spread it around, he seems to find Aguilar quite a bit. I like the Eagles pass attack this week and Wentz has looked awesome so far this season. So I think Aguilar is a good pivot off of Jeffrey, but I like Jeffrey, as I said earlier, as my strong stack with Wentz this week. Still, I think Aguilar is going to be a strong pivot off of Jeffrey and he could end up with a score. Let's move on to Zach Ertz. Ertz has been a monster at the tight end position so far this season, and he had another big game last week, finishing with five catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. He will look to take advantage of a weak 49ers pass defense, and the loss of Navarro Bowman will definitely hurt their ability to cover tight ends moving forward. Ertz has been the best tight end in the NFL so far this season. He has the most receptions, yards, and touchdowns among tight ends this year. So with that being said, I like Ertz as a strong TE play this week, and I expect him to have a very good game with how many targets he's been getting. Moving on to the Eagles RB situation. Blunt has been getting about 14 to 16 carries lately, so it's hard to trust him, and Smallwood came back last week, so I'm out on these guys, though Blunt could have a decent game here, given that the Eagles will probably be winding down the clock in this one. Let's move on to the Panthers at the Bucks. This game features a marquee matchup at quarterback with Jameis Winston taking on Cam Newton in a divisional matchup. Let's start off with Cam Newton. Newton has been pretty much Jekyll and Hyde so far this season, but he draws a strong matchup here against the Bucks defense. Newton could have a big game and he adds some rushing upside, which is a huge bonus to his fantasy value. He's been a little too boomer bust for my liking, but he's still a rushing threat and had 50 yards on the ground last week. You just never know what version of Cam is going to show up. So I'm out on him, even though I think he could have a strong game. I would rather play Winston in this spot personally. Let's move on to Kelvin Benjamin. Benjamin's targets have been less consistent than Devin Funches's, but they're both good plays this week. Newton should be able to take advantage of this Bucks pass defense, giving Benjamin a good chance to produce. He's still dealing with a knee injury, and so he's not going to be a must start for me this week. But this game does have some shootout appeal, and Funches was one of my sleepers, so I do kind of like the Carolina offense in this one. Both are in play for me. Moving on to Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey still hasn't been able to get anything going on the ground this season, which has kind of hurt his value. The Bucks have been better against running backs, but McCaffrey does more of his damage with receptions. He's received no less than five targets in a game this season, which gives him a pretty high floor at the running back spot. I wish he would bust a few long runs, though, so he can take over as a starting running back, but it's hard to argue with the production you're getting from him right now. Like I said, he's got a high floor, but he's shown limited upside. He's going to need a touchdown to justify his value, and I'm going to pass on him this week. Now, let's talk about Jameis Winston for a bit. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury, and I think most people are going to think of him as a risky play. In two games against Carolina last season, Winston threw only one touchdown in each of those games. Still, he's got some pretty crazy home road splits, and it still looks like that's going to be a trend this year. He's got five touchdowns and no picks at home on the year, so I like him a lot in this spot. He's thrown for 300 yards in four straight games in which he's been healthy, and seven touchdowns and just one pick over the last three that he's finished the game in. So I think he's going to perform well this week. He's a good start for me, and I like to pair him with Mike Evans, who scored a touchdown in each of his games against Carolina last year. He makes for a good low-owned play and has high upside, 
Evans and Winston are going to be one of my top QB wide receiver stacks this week. He's coming off a pretty good game against a tough Bills defense in which he finished with seven catches for 88 yards. Evans hasn't had a 100-yard game this season, but I think this is going to be the week it finally happens. He's had at least eight targets in every game this year and double-digit targets in three of the last five, so I like him a lot. Let's move on to Deshaun Jackson. Jackson has been a solid wide receiver too all season, and he had five catches for 73 yards last week. I'm not crazy about his prospects in this game as the Bucs seem to have found something with their two tight end sets, so I'm going to be fading Jackson this week. Now, Cameron Brait and OJ Howard, they could both be in play here. Together, they had 15 targets last week. Bray was productive with six catches for 60 yards, while Howard had a career day finishing with six catches for 98 yards and two scores. The position has been so weak this season that even Howard is worthy of a look this week, though he'd be a bit risky of a play. The Panthers have been average against tight ends so far this season, so both Bray and Howard have TD upside in this one. Let's move on to the Texans at the Seahawks. This will be a great test out of the bye week for rookie sensation Deshaun Watson. To go into Seattle and pull out a win would be huge for the rookie and the Texans. This will be one of the more exciting games of the week to watch, and the Texans are battling for the division lead. So let's talk about Deshaun Watson's fantasy prospects in this game. He's been on fire over the last three games, and in that span, he has 13 touchdowns, and his rushing upside makes him one of the most exciting QBs to roster in fantasy. Still, this has got to be a tough game for him. He's got two weeks to prepare for Seattle, and this Seattle defense has been susceptible to the run this year, so he could elect to keep the ball on a few more design runs this week. I'm not too crazy about him, but I'm also not crazy enough to say that he's a must-fade in this matchup. This is going to be a good test for him, and it's going to be really interesting to watch. He could make or break your lineup, but he's worth taking a chance on given his high upside. Let's move on to DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to fade Hopkins this week as this Seattle defense has still been pretty stingy against opposing wide receivers and have a hard time seeing Watson or Hopkins going wild in this game. So I'm going to be out on him. He's probably going to see a lot of Richard Sherman covering him, making him a riskier play. And while he's getting a lot of targets, I just don't think he's going to have a very productive game here. The same goes for Will Fuller, though I do think he's going to be a stronger play than Hopkins this week. He's been a TD monster since returning from injury, and with Sherman on Hopkins, Fuller is likely to receive more targets and will have a chance to produce. So I would start Fuller over Hopkins in this matchup. Now let's talk about the other quarterback in this game, and that's Russell Wilson. Wilson had over 300 yards and three touchdowns last week, so he looks like he's back. He's now had strong fantasy performances in three of his last four games. This Houston defense took a huge hit with Watt and Merciless out, and their pass defense is probably going to suffer as well. Wilson's going to be a sneaky play this week as I think Seattle wins this game. It's possible that he could outperform Watson in every aspect this week, including rushing yards. And I could see him finishing with a big game through the air to go along with 20 or 30 rush yards as well in this game. So I like him a lot and I think he's going to be a strong play. As will wide receiver one Doug Baldwin. Baldwin had a good game in a tough matchup last week against the Giants, going for nine catches and 92 yards and a score. He's been a target monster, and the Wilson-Baldwin combo seems like an undercover good pairing this week. The Chiefs were able to put up 42 points on Houston, and Alex Smith threw for over 300 yards and three TDs, so Wilson and Baldwin should definitely be able to have a good game in this one. 
Let's move on to Jimmy Graham. I had Graham as a sleeper last week and almost predicted his exact stat line. I had him for five catches, 50 yards in a score. He finished with three for 51 in a score. I'm not too high on him here though because Houston has been pretty stingy against tight ends and his ceiling just isn't as high as it used to be. I just think there's going to be better TEs to roster this week. So I'm out on Graham, though I know Jamie thought the Wilson and Baldwin combo was an undercover pivot. Let's move on to the Cowboys at the Redskins. The Cowboys head on the road to Washington this week for an NFC East battle against the Redskins. Josh Norman is expected to be back for the Skins this week and their defense was dominant with him in there. So let's talk a little bit about Dak Prescott's fantasy prospects for the week. Dak's been awesome this season, though he's going up against a Washington defense that's very improved. He's been one of the top fantasy QBs over the last three weeks. During that span, he's got 11 touchdowns, including two on the ground. His rushing upside gives him a pretty high floor, and with Zeke's suspension looming, the Cowboys seem content letting Prescott sling it. Prescott scored a rushing TD in each of the last two games last year against Washington, uh, so he's going to be a threat on the ground again in this one. Still, I'm not too high on him this game. With Josh Norman back, this Redskins defense profiles as one of the best in the NFL. And he's going to be on Dez Bryant taking him away. So I'm going to fade Dak and Dez this week. Speaking of Dez, he has just 28 catches on 58 targets this year. He's managed to score a bunch of TDs, but I'm not too high on him here if Norman does play. And it looks like he's going to give it a go. So you got to fade Dez in this matchup. Elliott looks like he's going to be able to play on Sunday, and he had a monster week finishing with 147 yards and two touchdowns on the ground and added one catch for 72 yards and a score last week. He's a must play when he's in there, and he's been awesome over the last three, so you got to start Elliott as usual here. I know Washington's rush defense has been much better, but Elliott's still getting the lion's share of the touches, and until he's suspended, he's still going to be the guy there. Let's move on to Kirk Cousins. Cousins has been on fire lately, and he's likely going to be a top QB play this week. In two games against Dallas last season, he threw for a total of 813 yards. Dallas's pass defense is very weak again this year, and Cousins should have no problem carving them up. His wide receivers have been letting him down a little bit, but still, he had 303 yards and three TDs on Monday Night Football against the Eagles. His numbers aren't as gaudy as they were last year, but they're still pretty darn good. And he's on pace for 32 touchdowns and just eight picks. I like him here, and I think if you're going to pair him with anyone, it should be Josh Dotson, who we're going to get to in a minute. First, let's move on to Jordan Reed. Dallas has been very good against tight ends, as Sean Lee is a good cover LB, and Cousins really spreads the ball around. Taking anyone to pair with Cousins is risky, and Dallas is weaker versus the wide receiver position, so I'm not that high on Reed this week, even though he's coming off of his best game of the season. He had two TDs against the Eagles. Like I said a minute ago, the player I like a little more in this spot is Josh Dotson. Gruden spoke highly of him last week, and it sounds like they're going to let him be the number one guy. He had five targets last week, and he should be in for an increased workload moving forward, and I'm going to be buying low on him here. So play Josh Dotson this week. Let's move on to the Steelers at the Lions. This is a primetime matchup and a good one at that, with the Steelers taking on the Lions. Ben has not looked like himself this season as he's having a terrible season so far and Stafford seems to be coming into this one banged up as well. The Steelers defense has looked great especially against the pass and they'll look to take advantage of a hobbled Stafford here. 
Let's start with one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and Antonio Brown. Brown has 84 targets through the first seven games, which is an average of 12 per contest. That puts him in must-start territory right now. A.B. and Bell account for 70% of the Steelers' offensive touches, which is the highest percentage for any duo in the NFL. He's had a touchdown in each of his last two games, and he's a player that you have to be looking at right now. He's got an incredibly high floor, and he'll be a good play week in and week out, especially now that Martavius Bryant is on the practice squad. But just in case you needed some advice, put him in your lineups this week. Now let's move on to the other half of this Steelers vaunted duo, and that's Le'Veon Bell. He has 383 yards from scrimmage in the past two weeks, making him a must-play option as well. He's now second in the NFL in rushing yards, and he's heavily involved in the passing game, so you gotta like him here. He's in the same tier as Brown in the must-play category, and the Steelers seem committed to running the football lately, which is good for his prospects, and I like him a lot this week. With how many touches that him and AB get, you have to think about playing them both on a weekly basis. Let's move on to Matthew Stafford. Pittsburgh has been very tough to pass on this season, and Stafford had an ugly game last week against the Saints. He's on pace for 600 passing attempts this year, but his yardage output is on the decline. He's coming in banged up, and this Steelers defense is very tough to pass on. With how well the Steelers are rushing the passer right now, and with no rush attack to negate it, I would fade Stafford this week. Let's move on to Marvin Jones. He had a good week last week going for six catches, 96 yards and a touchdown. He had 15 targets with Golden Tate out for the game and he's likely to see a lot of looks in this one as well. Still, I don't like his prospects for this one against the Steelers defense and I'm going to be fading the entire Lions offense in this one. I think a lot of people are going to look at Jones and he could be higher owned this week, but I wouldn't play him if I were you. That's it for this week's game-by-game game analysis. Next, we're going to move on to our pick six segment and help you target some kickers and defenses. Jamie helped me pick some kickers and defenses this week, and here are some kickers and defenses that you should be adding to your week eight lineups. Our first kicker is Jake Elliott. The Eagles should have a lot of scoring opportunities this week, and Elliott has shown a knack for kicking long field goals already in his young career, so he's going to be our top kicker for week eight. Our next kicker is Will Lutz as the Saints should be able to score a lot of points at home, and the Bears' offense has really struggled, so the Saints should dominate time of possession and should get a bunch of chances with the ball. Next is Steven Goskowski. The Patriots are another candidate to score a lot of points this week against the Chargers, so Goskowski will have a lot of opportunities to put up field goals against a Chargers defense that is fairly stout against the pass. Next are our top three defenses. We're going to go with the Bengals, who are a good defense at home against Jacoby Brissett. Next are the Falcons, an underrated defense going up against the Jets in need of a desperate win and a bounce back game. And our last defense is going to be the Steelers defense, who have been a top defense against the pass. The Lions can't run much and Stafford may not be 100%. So look for the Steelers defense to outperform their value this week. Now we're going to get into our two-minute drill, where we pick spreads and totals for each game on Sunday. Let's kick it off with the Raiders at the Bills. The line is Buffalo 2.5, and, and the total is set at 45. I'm going to roll with Buffalo 2.5 here, as I think a lot of people are going to be on the Raiders. This seems like a good contrarian play, and the Bills have found ways to win games so far this year. 
Next, Colts at the Bengals. The line is Cincinnati minus 10, and the total for this game is set at 42. You have to like under 42, as the Bengals haven't been that good on offense this year, and the Colts don't profile the score much either. Moving on to the Chargers at the Patriots. New England's favored by a touchdown in this one, and the total for this game is set at 49.5. I like New England to cover the touchdown at home, and even though the Chargers have been better than most people think, they aren't a candidate to win this game. Take the Pats to cover the points. Let's move on to the Bears at the Saints. New Orleans minus 9. The total is set at 47.5. I think you gotta like the Bears to cover this spread. Their defense has been very good this season. And even though the Saints look like the cream of the crop in the NFC right now, I'm not too high on their prospects in this one. I think they're in for a letdown game here against the Bears. Moving on to the Falcons at the Jets. Falcons favored by four and a half, totals 46 and a half. You got to like the Falcons to cover that number on the road. They're due for a bounce back game here after two lackluster weeks. Moving on to the 49ers at the Eagles. Philadelphia is favored by 13 in this one. The total set at 47 and a half. I'm going to go with the 49ers to cover the two touchdowns in this one. I know the Eagles have been dominant here, but you got to think they're going to be looking ahead to next week going up against a winless 49ers squad. They're still probably going to win in a blowout, but I'm looking at the 49ers here with a chance at a backdoor cover late. Moving on to the Panthers at the Bucks. Tampa Bay is favored by two in this one, and the total is set at 44 and a half. I'm going to go with over 44 and a half here. I think the Bucks defense has been terrible so far this season, and Cam Newton should be able to take advantage of them. And Jameis Winston's very good at home, so you got to think 44 and a half over is the play there. Texans at the Seahawks. The line is Seahawks minus five and a half. The total set at 45 and a half. I like the Seahawks to cover this number. I know Deshaun Watson's been great, but he's going into a tough environment here at Seattle. So you have to like the Seahawks to cover the spread. Moving on to the Cowboys at the Redskins. This is a tough NFC matchup. Dallas is favored by two and a half and the total here set at 50 and a half. I like the Redskins to win outright here. I know Dallas is going to look like a good pick here, but I'm not a fan of laying points on the road, especially with a mediocre defense. So I'm going to take the Redskins at home in this one. Last but not least, we're going to finish off with the Steelers at the Lions. Pittsburgh's favored by three in this one. The total set at 45, and I'm going to say Pittsburgh to cover the three. That's my lock of the week, and that's it for our podcast. Thank you all for listening. We're going to be back and better than ever next week. Hopefully, Jamie will be back and I'll have some company here on this podcast. Today was a struggle, so thank you all for listening, guys. We'll be back and better than ever next week to help you dominate DFS. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DFS Dominator. That's DFS underscore Dominator on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening, guys.